I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Talking City podcast. I'm Tyrone Marshall and the host chair today, joined by Simon Bukowski, who was in West London on Monday night, just where you want to be on a, on a Monday night. Uh, a lovely kickoff time once again for, for the City fans, uh, another another tick for the Premier League and their, their attempt to go green. Um, but that's enough of that, Si. Uh, talk to us about Brentford. I guess it was... One of those where my initial thought when I saw that team land on um, at seven o'clock on Monday was that it, it felt like we've been able to predict Guardiola's teams a lot more easily recently. They've been a lot more predictable. And then he throws us a team like that where you're left kind of scratching your head a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, it was just like all of the forwards. Yeah, yeah no, just I, I'm just playing all of them. Yeah. All those people you think might play, they're all playing like, we'll deal with the rest of it. You're thinking, poor Rodri having to deal with like, just like... Rodri will take care of half of the pitch and the other 10 will take care of the other half. It's a good job he's good, isn't it? It is a good job he's good, yeah, and he was good again. Yeah, and you know that debate you've been having all season about Grealish or Doku? The actual answer is none. Neither of them, yeah. Yeah, not even Bob. Can Bob come into it? No. No, I'm not going to have any of them. Um, and even like, yeah, you know, the sort of, you saw that formation, you thought, you know, Foden might get shunted out wide here a bit. Um, and then he was like, no, I'm just going to play through the middle and score three instead. So it was, it, it was a, a strange night. Um, it was one of those nights where you could completely see a 1-0 Brentford win. Like, you would not have been surprised at all um, after 40 minutes and about 400 shots from City if they were to go on to lose the game. But they did not. They won the game in a way that suggests they are in form and everybody else should be a little bit worried. Yes, I mean, they had a lot of chances in, throughout that game, didn't they? And it, you know, we, we mentioned that team. It, it felt like it worked, though. And to a degree, it felt like the players were kind of making it work themselves at times. Yeah. Like you said, they, they, were, they were taking up... They were kind of bouncing off each other in a way, weren't they? And filling the spaces where they, where they saw them. Yeah, it, it was a strange game. It was almost a game of two halves. Like, the first half felt far too sort of chaotic for what you would like from City. Like Brentford were allowed to cause them quite a few problems um, in dangerous areas of the pitch. Brentford didn't really do enough with it. They sort of lost possession far too easily, but they it, it felt like having so many forwards in the team and people who aren't necessarily helping Rodri out um, allowed for a bit too much chaos. And like Ruben Diaz, I think twice in the first five minutes, he like, passed the ball into the back of Rodri's legs and it comes straight back at him. And you, you're thinking, this isn't really what we're used to seeing from City. Um, and that was the game that Brentford wanted. And I think in the second half, Brentford stepped back a bit and tried to contain City a bit more. And City played more of their natural game. And it was kind of natural that they would go on and win. Yeah. 
we've mentioned a few times recently that with everyone back fit, Pep's probably got more attacking options than he's had for a long, long time, really. Almost two players in every position. You mentioned Grealish and Doku at the start, Foden and Bernardo, De Bruyne and Alvarez, or De Bruyne and Foden, or Haaland and Alvarez. There's a lot of difficult decisions to make there. Do you think we're going to see going forward maybe some unusual selections rather than an either-or? We might see this combination of maybe players we don't expect in the team. Yeah, I think I think possibly. And you've got kind of like Nunes and Kovacic as well. Like Nunes has played very advanced whenever he's he's played. Um, I, you know, what Guardiola loves is having all of his players available and in form so that he makes his decision based on what is best to defeat that particular opponent. So, you know, there are some players, a very small number of players who you might think are sort of undroppable in any circumstance. And, you know, Haaland would be among them. De Bruyne would be among them when, when fit. But other than that, it's kind of all to play for. And I think we're going to get a lot of selections coming up where you're saying, well, he can feel hard done to because he's not in the team. He can feel hard done to that he's been benched um, because there's a lot of players in form and, more players in form than there are spots in the team. Yeah, and that form thing, I guess, was a big element going into Monday night because you mentioned Haaland and De Bruyne are both back. Haaland only just De Bruyne basically picking up where we left off. But Alvarez has been in really good form lately. Foden has been in, in phenomenal form for most of this season, to be fair. And we're kind of at that point in the season where Pep normally settles on that team that's going to go and play all those big games. And normally it's Foden on the bench and Bernardo on the right. But Foden's playing so well at the moment, it feels you've got to find a space for him. And he felt he's got to find a space for Alvarez as well in Burnley. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. On Monday night, it's like, are you going to drop Alvarez after two goals against Burnley? And now it's, are you going to drop Foden after three goals against yeah. Brentford? So these players are really kind of taking their opportunities and saying, and, you know, the answer is Pep will probably say, yeah, yeah, I am going to drop you. And I'm not even going to tell you why, but I want him in my team this week. And... You know, Grealish and Doku will come in and get minutes and have their own opportunities. But um, yeah, it, it's just very difficult. It's a difficult job for for Pep and one that he doesn't particularly enjoy doing on the one hand, but then he absolutely loves having so many players kind of knocking his door down with their performances on the pitch to say that they have to pick him, pick them again. Yeah, and Foden is is certainly doing that at the moment. I mean, it would be. Very harsh if he was dropped after that. A, a brilliant hat-trick in, in terms of the way he took his goals. An excellent performance. I mean, what, what do you make of his performance? And he is, this is his best season for City, isn't it? I think we've got to say now that this yeah. is his most consistent season. And it feels, you know, I touched on before there, that he, he is normally someone who kind of drops down to an impact sub when we reach March, April, May. We, we saw it last season. It doesn't feel like that's going to happen this season. No, it's weird talking about Phil because he's got so much talent and so much potential and we've been speaking about him for like seven years now and it it really... We've been waiting for him to take off because you feel like if and when he reaches potential, he will be Ballon d'Or level. You know, he's a generational talent and, you know, Jack Grealish played really well last season and kept Foden out for large spells of the t of the season and... You know, speaking to a few people close to Grealish, they were like really, really happy that he was playing well and in the team. They were almost like in disbelief that he was keeping Foden out. 
because they were like, have you, he's keeping Phil out. And have you seen how good Phil, like, he's that good. Um, so this season, I think we've seen him take on a bit more responsibility. He wants to play in the middle and take on more responsibility for sort of being the man to deliver. Remember a few years ago, the 2021 season when they made the Champions League final, he scored a lot of goals. I think that's his best season for goals. And a lot of his goals were important ones. You know, he's scoring against like Dortmund in the Champions League or things like that. And if I haven't checked this year, I should have done it on my to-do list. But it feels like a lot of his goals are weighty, like when they're 1-0 down or it's 0-0 or something is needed. Foden is stepping up with a goal or assist that says, yeah, I'll, I'll be the decisive man. And it's what City want. Um, it's what Pep wants from him. You know, he's seen as this kind of successor to to De Bruyne or Bernardo or whoever, but um, we've seen more of him this season than any other year. I mean, this is an incredibly base-level analysis, but there's just something about the way he touches the ball, isn't there, that makes yeah. you realise how good he is. I mean, even that, the, the header was great. The third goal I thought was brilliant, just the calmness he showed, take all of those touches to set himself. But even the first goal, just the way he hits it, the speed with which he hits it once he's brought it down, the calmness with which he does it, when he is on it, there's just, he almost has this relationship with the ball and this ability to just touch and control the ball that just shows what a special, special footballer he is. Yeah, he's, he's wonderfully graceful. Yeah, and um, I mean, Pep was talking after the game as well and um, talks about his, like, his love for the game being like an amateur. Mm-hmm. And then had to kind of stop himself with the press officer and be like, Am I just called Phil Foden amateur? But it, but it is that kind of like, there is some just something natural that is just like boy meets football and all is well with the world. Um, and that is partly, I think, why he's kind of, he, he still gets Gascoigne comparisons. And it's just, you know, you, you sort of think of Gascoigne's jinking runs. Um, and it, it is... A really, he's kind of had it a few times as well, Phil. He had it in the Champions League final where he sort of dribbled past three players and then his shot went straight at the keeper. And if that had gone in, that would have been like, you know, a great all-time goal. Um, so he he just looks the part and he's looked the part for so long, but now we're kind of seeing more of him responsibly taking the part as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how that translates to those Arsenal and Liverpool games later in the season to that inevitable Champions League quarter-final, maybe a Champions League semi-final, maybe a Champions League final and yeah. what sort of role he plays there. And we've seen him, we've seen him even when he was on the right this season, we've seen him play a lot more centrally because of the way Kyle Walker's been used to, to hold that width down the right. He was rested recently, I guess we'd call it. Finally, finally taken out of the team. He was back on Monday night and, and had a really good game, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Again, a bit like Diaz. He started a bit shakily. Got his, got his long-range shot in early. His long-range shot was, was really good. his best. Yeah. His best of the season, I think. Um, yeah, terrific. Flecken was unplayable for, for long spells of that first half. But um, yeah, he, he is very good. And I think he sort of went through a few months where he wasn't as good. And like I was getting kind of an unprecedented amount of messages about one player being like, he's rubbish, he should not deserve his place in the team. Um, and it felt a bit overblown. And, and also because, you know, he's performing a very specific role in the team that not many of them do. 
Um, you know, it may come to, like you say, this crunch part of the season and Pep goes, right, I've got Stones back, I've got a Kanji back, one of them's playing right back and the other centre back and there's no space for Walker again. But um, again, Walker is playing at a level that is is pretty decent at the moment and he, he's kind of added that attacking quality to his game and it, he's, he'll never be the best, but he's a bit better than he was and at 32, 33, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's been noticeable how effusive Guardiola has been about him this season. He clearly loves his his captaincy, at least on the social side, in terms of getting everyone together. I mean, in, in Saudi Arabia, Walker stopped in the mix zone and it was fascinating to hear him talk about that criticism that you mentioned there and how he had picked up on it and he'd noticed the stick he was getting. But there's there's no doubt that Guardiola and his teammates Seem to seem to love him this season, don't they? Yeah, Pep absolutely loves him. Um one hundred percent. I don't know if it's sort of yeah, I don't know if there's a bit of like Champions League final kind of love and respect, because obviously Guardiola leaves Walker out of the team the night before the game, but then says to Gundogan, make sure you leave time for Kyle to speak to everyone before the final and he gives this sort of big speech and you know, I think there was an opportunity for Walker to react really badly to not being in that final. Um, and it would have been perfectly understandable. I think the way he didn't and was, in fact, helped the team. I think that has really kind of gone down so well with, with Pep. Um, that, yeah, sort of like, you know, he's made headlines on the front page of the newspapers for reasons that he, he wouldn't have wanted to and he there's not been a word of criticism from from Pep about that when he's been asked about it um 100 support for him um and he, he's played him nearly every week this season so yeah he is fully behind his captain absolutely that's a lot of positives from from monday night let's touch on a couple of negatives i mean the the obvious one is that goal which was just frighteningly easy for, for brentford to score really and I guess Edison, couple of couple of nervy moments really that that weren't weren't problematic in the end. But the goal, you know, the the goal was one of those watching it, and you're kind of like, how have how have they just done that? That was, you know, top teams don't normally concede goals like that, do they? No, I think you have to give credit to Brentford, yeah, um, because Brentford are very good from dead ball situations. But it was what the way Tony kind of moved suggested it was a pre-planned route. I mean, I just said to someone, because I thought Tony might give Diaz a hard time with the form Diaz has been in. Mm. And then he started up against Ake and he was trying to get in behind him and in behind him and Ake just had him every time. And yeah. I was like, Ake's got his number, you know, for, for pace. And then two seconds later, Tony just holds him off and, you know, that's the way to get past Ake. Um, yeah, it was clever. Um, nobody likes to concede a goal route one. Um, and it goes into that catalogue of sort of goals this season that City have conceded that is too large, where you're like, well, yeah, we probably wouldn't concede that again, but we have conceded it. And it's a lot of them have been direct, haven't they? Excuse me, they're not as solid as they should be this season. Um, and they're conceding goals that they shouldn't be conceding. And that also kind of tied into, they had a few dodgy spells in the match. Um, the first half, I don't think Edison was largely at fault. It was kind of teammates giving him hospital passes or putting the team in danger um, that he had to deal with. And I was largely thinking, oh, Edison's done quite well here. And then a couple of moments in the second half where he's just 
doing Edison things that we all know. And, uh, yeah, needless um, things that are kind of losing City's control on the game. So, um, yeah, I thought, by and large, it was an excellent performance, but it was also filled with uncharacteristic mistakes from probably at least half the team that gave Brentford more than they could have done. That's all for the first part of the Talking City podcast. We'll be back after this to talk about one player who did start against Brentford and a couple that didn't. We've teamed up with Manchester City to bring one listener the ultimate Manchester City fan experience. Immerse yourself in City's state-of-the-art stadium tour experience featuring all three of the treble winners' trophies, as well as a first-hand feel as you walk out from the Etihad Stadium glass tunnel. But that's not all. Not only will you have a full tour of the stadium in all its glory, you will sit in Pep Guardiola's seat on the touchline to soak up that matchday feel as well as experience the newly updated virtual press room where you can sit next to the likes of Pep Guardiola himself, Manuel Akanji, Nathan Ake and Erling Haaland. If you want to be in with a chance of winning this fantastic prize, all you have to do is subscribe to the Talking City podcast and leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and email a screenshot with your name, location and contact information to TalkingCityPod. That's TalkingCityPod at gmail.com and we will announce the winner very soon. Good luck. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast. Uh, City 3-1 winners at Brentford on Monday night. But if there's one thing that Brentford can hold on to, it is the fact that Erling Haaland still hasn't scored against them. Back in the team, back starting games, back influencing matters with that that clever assist for Foden's third goal. But uh, he, he can't find the back of the net against Brentford, seemingly. They've, they've got his number. One big first half chance, it'd be fair to say, that you would probably expect him to score. But... This was obviously his his first start since the first week of December, I think, and a case of still shaking off a little bit of rust, I guess. Yeah, I think he did well. Um, like you say, that chance he probably could have scored. Um, it also kind of went down in a in a half where the goalkeeper just kept everything out. Um, but it, it was one of those where you kind of looked at it and you thought, Oh, Haaland's not really done much there. And then you think, oh, right, but sort of the four attackers behind him have all done a lot and had a lot of space to um, to move into and exploit. And so maybe Haaland has sort of done that role of occupying defenders to give his teammates more space, which he says, you know, he's quite happy to do um, if it means they score goals 
but obviously not as eye-catching. It means he still, still hasn't. Imagine playing in the Premier League for two years and not scoring against Brentford. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, in a few weeks, maybe he can uh, end that. Yeah, I think it's, and that run. We all know it's only a matter of time, I think, including Brentford. Yeah, I, I asked Opta actually because he's um, he's played against twenty one Premier League teams, and uh, he has scored against twenty of them. Um, who has scored against twenty teams? At least twenty teams got a perfect record. Scored against everyone they've played against, and, and scored against at least twenty. Yeah. Oh, that is a good question. I have no idea. It's got to be someone who, I'm thinking it's not someone in the category of, like, Shearer, who got hundreds of Premier League goals. Not Shearer, no. I'm thinking it's no. someone who was maybe not in the Premier League for that long, but scored a lot while they were Yeah. No, I think, well, I think you, you're probably looking towards Shearer territory, actually. Right. I think you probably should be looking that, that way. The answer... Go on. It's Harry Kane. Harry Kane? Uh... 32. He scored against every Premier League team he faced. 32 out of 32. Oh, wow. Which is impressive. That is very impressive. Yeah. The, over, the, the highest number of teams someone has scored against is Lampard with 39. Oh. So, I don't, so I don't think Haaland's beating either of them for those stats. No, no. He would, he would need to stay at City for a long time, wouldn't he? <laughs> if, he does, if he does reach that record, he's probably breaking Shearer's record as well. But yes. I'm not yeah, sure any of us yeah. really expect that to happen no. at the moment. But we never know. We're, we're surprised. Pep's still here, so there's, <laughs> there's possibilities. Yeah. Um, and, and talking of someone who, who terrorises the rest of the, the Premier League, another assist for Kevin De Bruyne for this season. I mean, yeah. I, I think Oli, did Ollie Watkins get two assists at the weekend or one? I can't remember. He got three, you know. He got three Maybe assists. two. I think he might have got three for fantasy. Right. But I, I'm not sure. They often don't tally up with the BB, with yeah. Alter, do they? So, he's, so he's, maybe one or two. Ollie Watkins is top with ten. He's got ten now, right? Yeah, he did have eight, so I he think. got two. Because him and Salah and someone else had eight. Yeah, so Watkins is top. But right. De Bruyne is now he's on three. He's coming for him, isn't he? Yeah. Is he on four now, De Bruyne? Uh, is he on four? Burnley. Burnley, Newcastle, Newcastle. and did he Brentford. Have, did he have an assist against Burnley? He, uh, no, he got one against Huddersfield, who was in the cup. But either way, he is he is coming for Ollie Watkins. He's averaging a, an assist every seventy minutes, so um, in the league, yeah. So he he is coming. And Thomas Frank said afterwards, like you know, we set up really well in the second half, but we gave Kevin De Bruyne a bit too much time and space. Like, any time and space. We is gave too much. Kevin De Bruyne the same time and space that we would give any other human, and yeah. you can't do that with Kevin De Bruyne because he just. Finds the perfect pass. Yeah, I mean, he has come back with a point to prove, and he's come back on it. Yeah, yeah, and you know, similar to what I was saying with Foden scoring big goals. You know, De Bruyne changed that Newcastle game enormously um, when they were one 0 up against Burnley. It was De Bruyne's free kick into Alvarez that made the game comfortable, and then again, you sort of taking the lead at Brentford with a with a De Bruyne assist. So he's coming up with big moments in games. We touched on this in the, the first part, the, the surprise that you know, no Grealish and, and no Doku. Um, I mean, Doku has, has had a very good season. I've had a bit of an injury recently. Grealish is a bit of a funny one, I guess. I mean, you mentioned how well he did last season, how he was keeping Foden out of the team, really. It's, it's, it doesn't feel like he's had that bad a season this time when he has got in the team. 
He's had some really good games, hasn't he? Yeah. But he just can't seem to nail down that place. I think it was December he'd scored um, against... I think he scored in three consecutive league games for the first time in his career. And he started eight games in a row in December. And you were thinking, this guy is really nailed in the team. And then he... So that his last start was Huddersfield in January. And then the first game he didn't start was... Newcastle, who's on the bench, but I mean, you all know from yeah, seeing him in the mix zone, he, yeah. he was ill, wasn't he? Was he was very ill, yeah. And then, yeah, I think it's four games now he's not started. And those four games are bad because it's like four games over a month because they've had the break. Yeah. Whereas when he started the last eight before that, that was probably only a month. So it's like, you're like, oh, Grealish, I've played for a month. But he's only not started four games. But it feels like he's not started eight because that's the sort of time frame we usually used to. And you would expect him to start one or two yeah. out of those four at least, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I was expecting him to start on, on Monday. And even when he's not starting, you know, on Monday night, Doku came on, Kovacic came on. You know, those are Pep's yeah. go-to picks on Monday night. And so, yeah, he's, he finds himself in a position where he needs to do something to get back in the team and I'm sure Pep will be asked about it before too long and the sort of you know he may throw out that where he started eight games or whatever um, but there is clearly something that he's not doing that he needs to do if he wants to play more we'll get the chance to ask Pep about that on Friday but in lieu of Pep being sat in this room I'll ask you instead uh, where, where do you think it leaves Grealish do you think he's the classic he's been turned into the classic Pep control winger hasn't he do you think Come March, April, he'll be back in the team? Or do you think it's it's a bigger issue than that at the moment? He was perfect for the system that won the that won the treble. And in a way that Foden wasn't. And Foden last season was the first time where you've, you know, his career Foden's career has always gone on up an upward trajectory, really. And last season it was like, well, yeah, he's 22, 23, and he Grealish is keeping him out of the team and a few injuries, but like, can he really say he's still going up? Um and he has put that all behind him and is now higher up than he's ever been. So, you know, there it is for, for Grealish. I know he's, he's a bit older, but he can think that it, it really doesn't take long in this team to switch around. Yeah, and, you know, we didn't expect all that medley of uh, attacking talent start together at Brentford. And maybe it shouldn't have worked, but it did work. And as long as it does, then they're putting the case to to play again but there, there will be plenty of games I think in this next period where where Grealish is, is seen as important because again when he came he started kind of almost every match against big opposition mm. and you your Liverpools and your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's and that so and last season he made some quite important contributions there so I think he will definitely be back into the thinking for those games yeah I guess the interesting thing is going to be how this season develops tactically because Partly out of necessity, I think we've all been surprised how control has been so low down on the agenda this season. This, the performances have been far more chaotic in a good way than any of us expected, given how, how successful control was in winning the treble this year. And with everyone available, you kind of thought maybe Pep would go back to that. He hasn't so far. It is kind of still, let's get all these attacking players on there. 
So I guess the big thing is is how it how it develops over the final months of the season in in terms of that tactical style. Yeah, and I think you know the the big kind of innovation in the treble was the John Stones role, yeah. most sort of as best played by John Stones, and John Stones just hasn't played that this year really. No one can do it even remotely as well as John Stones. Yeah, so if that's the case, is it worth still having yeah. that? And I think we've seen that often it's not, and so it will be interesting if and when Stones gets back to a time where he can play regularly, whether that changes the tactics. But at the minute, like you say, it's quite um, different from last season. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Right, that's all for part two. We'll be back after this break to have a look forward to the Everton game. Welcome back to the Talking City podcast for part three. We're going to look ahead to the weekend now, a 12.30 kickoff on Saturday at home to Everton. A game you would expect City to win. You, you mentioned at the start, Saya, how well they, how many chances they created and how well they played in patches against Brentford. I mean, they are, they are flying really, in, it feels like, in the league at the moment. The result at the Emirates probably went well for them at, at the weekend. Maybe a draw would have been perfect. But beyond that, I think definitely an Arsenal victory. I think, you know, I think it's fair to say that City would fancy going toe-to-toe with Arsenal ahead of Liverpool, probably given their, their history there. And if it turns into a three-way battle, then that, that's probably even better for City in a way. So you, know, it's, you would expect them to, to put the pressure on this weekend by winning first, wouldn't you? I mean, it's amazing how quickly it's switched. But you know, there's been like national articles this week talking about a double treble looking likely. Mm. And it's like, we've still got like four months of football to play, guys. Have you asked Pep about that yet? I think you should ask him on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'd enjoy it, yeah. But it, it feels like City are building. And even, I don't know, it's amazing what one result can do, but it really wasn't long ago City were talking about if we can be close to Liverpool by the time we go to Anfield on March 10th, then we'll be really happy with that. And now you're talking about they could be going with a lead. And they could have a lead to sort of defend against Liverpool when they go on Anfield, which would put them in the box seat because they don't necessarily need to win there. Um, and yeah, they just keep ticking over. And it's funny because when they went to Everton, it was just after Christmas, wasn't it? And, yeah. and they'd won the Club World Cup, but it was one win in six in the league. Yeah. And Everton were doing great things under Sean Dyche and Everton took the lead despite City playing quite well. And you're thinking... Well, here we go again. Um, but City came back to win and have kept doing that, really. And in the meantime, Everton are now sort of back in trouble again, uh, needing points to kind of escape or sort of stay in the relegation battle to try and get out of that. So um, City will be kind of firm, 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 firm favourites, um, you know, if they win because it's the 12-30 game. They go top of the league for however many hours until Liverpool play Burnley. So it's all these things that tick along and will be in their minds, in the minds of the players and in the minds of Pep. Um, you know, if all goes well, he will do his post-match press conference on Saturday talking about his team being top of the league. So it's um, it, it it's there for City to attack. Yeah, definitely. And that that again on Monday was another away game where they've won from behind. I think that's four in a row in the league now. And it felt, 
you know, the, those, the Everton game and the Newcastle game in particular felt quite decisive at the time, the way they came from behind, the way they rescued those games. And the, the run of form since the Club World Cup has been mightily impressive, haven't they? And I think we all, we all looked at it and thought they have got a really amenable run of league fixtures coming up here yeah. to put the pressure on Liverpool. And they are doing what they do, aren't they, in those games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so it's so important because March is so huge for them. They've got United, Liverpool away, Brighton away, uh, although that might be an FA Cup game, but Arsenal at home. They've got Liverpool and Arsenal in March, and it's so important how they enter these games. Um, you know, I was speaking to Ruben Diaz recently, and he was sort of saying, well, you know, we do all love this end of the season. But you can't love this end of the season until unless you've done the work in the first half to get you there. Like we have worked really hard to put us in that position where we can attack. And yeah, with Everton at home and uh Brentford at home and Chelsea at home. Uh now I think it's three league games in a row where they can uh really kick on and say to Liverpool and Arsenal, can you keep up with us? Mm. And it it really will change the narrative going into March and going into those games if City are the hunted rather than the hunters, won't it? I think that will, that will put so much pressure on Liverpool and Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we talk about consistency for winning a league, which is ultimately needed, but it's also making the most of your good form and your best moments. Mm. And like the longer City can keep this run going on for, the, the, the better because, um, you know, we talk about... <sighs> It seems silly to say, but like the FA Cup final, City didn't play that well. Champions League final, they didn't play well because like the form had gone because they put so much into winning the league <laughs> that they then sort of had that break and it was really hard to pick up again. So when, when your form does go, it's really hard to pick back up or you have sort of a big defeat or anything like that. So the longer you can keep that good feeling going, the better chance you have of winning the league, basically. The, the next item on the agenda here is team news, but I guess... The, the, the fact that there is no team news is the team news, isn't there? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. in that case, what do we expect Pep to do with the team for, for Everton? I mean, he caught us all off guard on Monday, so are we expecting something similar? And of course, there's the Champions League game on Tuesday in Copenhagen to, to throw into the mix as well. Yeah, which will take some importance, but I think when you've got, when you're playing Saturday lunchtime, you can yeah, probably play... Whoever you like, you know, if you're going to play Haaland in both games, then anyone can play in both games, really. Um, yeah, I think we'd expect to see Grealish or Doku back in the team. Um, but then it's a question of who you leave out. Um, and again, you would expect John Stones to be back in because Stones kind of needs to build up that rhythm. But then Akanji needs to as well now. Now he's back. Um, I mean, yeah, Gradiol was mixed again on Monday yeah, but like yeah. just seems to play every week like talking about these big games I, I can't really see how Guardiola stays in the team for them he's also this is also a, it's a classic pep thing isn't it because I think we are all looking at it thinking why doesn't he play Guardiola at centre half and Ake at left back yeah but yeah, he's just yeah. not doing it's it it's not like oh Guardiola's a really bad player it's just like he's not He's not left back. Not looking good at left back. Yeah. And maybe, you know, Ake is better at centre back than Gradiol in this city team is at centre back at the minute. Maybe that's it. But but also Gradiol hasn't we've not seen Gradiol at centre back really in a city team to be like, oh, he's rubbish, stick him out on the left so he can't do much damage. So 
Um, you would think that one place is is there, and then Diaz kind of as well needs to kind of up his up his level as well. Um, so yeah, I think we will see three or four changes from the Brentford team. Um, but they've had long enough from the Brentford game uh, that everyone should be fit enough to play again. And do you think, you, you mentioned Haaland there, do you think he, he will start both games? Do you think we're back in a position where he starts yeah. every week? Now? Yeah, yeah. You know, the Pep made the kind of clarification that like with De Bruyne, it's like a muscle injury, whereas Haaland, it was um, like a bone. So once that's fine and once he's training fine, I think he'll be, be absolutely good to go. He looked good. Um, he's looked good in both kind of appearances where he's played um, since his injury. So I think, I think it's the case where you start him and hope he gets goals before you can then take him off. Yeah, early. yeah, try and give him some rest. Although even then he does, he, he played a hell of a lot of 90 minutes. Yeah, he did. He didn't take him off a lot last season, did he? No, no, no. I think the, the obvious fall guy, I mean, maybe not the right word, but it's going to be Alvarez, isn't it? You'd think so, yeah. Um, but then it wouldn't surprise you to see Foden. <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> maybe not. I think that, you know, I, I, I wrote for the Burnley game that if, it feels like kind of Alvarez's job is done now, if yeah. you know what I mean. He, yeah. What he's done to get City through those periods without De Bruyne and Haaland should not be forgotten, even if he spends the next four months coming on for 10, yeah. 15 minutes at a time. But then I think his performance at Brentford was probably the best I've seen him in ages. Yeah. So, But he's always been one of those players that you can watch him for a game and think, God, he just doesn't look... He almost right, does, he does he yeah, yeah. He almost does more when he doesn't score. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad I'm not the one having to make those decisions Absolutely. for this weekend. Yeah, yeah. You're to do it for our panel instead. Right? Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. hope you give it due care and attention <laughs> and get it right as ever. <laughs> do have a look on the MEN website on Saturday morning for the team that the side would pick and I would pick, and and then compare it to uh, how many we get wrong. And <laughs> hopefully, it won't be quite as bad as Monday night. Um, that is all for now please do leave us a five star review leave us a like and subscribe at all your usual podcast channels we'll be back we think on Monday we were discussing this before the podcast uh, so obviously City are off to Copenhagen on Monday Sai is off to Copenhagen on Monday um, but we're hoping to get him um, maybe get him on uh, in, in a Danish restaurant or a bar at some point on Monday and get him hooked up for a podcast but if it does appear, then that has been successful. If it doesn't, then he's probably had one too many, uh, one too many of the good Carlsbergs they sell over there. But we'll uh, we'll find out. No, so shaking, shy shaking his head. A working day. A working day. No, no, true pro. Sorry, I, I must must have been must have got confused. <laughs> so, um, so yes, hopefully we'll be with you on Monday. So keep an eye out for that. But for now, that is all. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.